Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the commodity markets in the UK by my colleague Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. And Jason, you know, we've been talking recently about high and volatile commodity prices, oil and gas amongst them, but I gather things are moderating a little bit on oil, but not necessarily on gas. Is that right? Yeah, very much so, Jeremy. Oil has drawn breath, really. So not very long ago, it was testing new post-COVID highs at $77 front month Brent. We've now seen that peel back to trading around 70 and this week it's uh, dipped below 70. Latest IEA forecast suggests that the demand recovery growth scenarios for balance of 21 are going to uh, fall somewhat short and this is supported by some of the data coming out of China suggesting that uh, things are slowing down a little bit on some uh, headwinds caused by the Delta variant of COVID. Indeed, and it's interesting with respect to oil, it's obviously internationally priced, and the UK is on the receiving end of that largely. The priorities of governments, and you know, the American president in particular, increasing emphasis in recent months on the green agenda, but when prices start to reach a certain level, something of political reality kicks in, doesn't it? And there's always a demand to make sure that the price levels are tolerable. Yeah, very much so. I think we can see that gasoline prices are, um, if not at, they are approaching sort of... Uh, all-time highs and uh, I think any US president that ignores high gasoline prices, to paraphrase uh, a former uh, president, it's the economy. Indeed, a lesson that's not lost here in the UK as we pursue uh, net zero with perhaps a little bit more vigour. But turning now to gas, which you mentioned as well, and we've not seen any sign of relief yet there for consumers, have we? Extraordinarily high prices in the gas market. Why should that be, given that um, we're not physical shortages right now, are we? Is it all about lack of flow of Russian gas into Europe, high Asian prices? What's the driver? Yeah, so if you were just uh, looking at the physical supply-demand analysis for this summer in the UK context, you'd say that the UK has been very well supplied with gas this summer. One of the important things is that demand has been historically low and obviously there's been a lack of exports into Europe because of pricing dynamics, but that actually has changed this week. We are seeing a little bit of gas now being re-exported out through BBL, but the gas system really is either balanced or significantly long most mornings and has been you know, pretty much throughout the summer. So I think if you're looking at short-term fundamental dynamics, you can't really fathom what's going on. This is all about, I don't want to say worst case scenarios for uh, Q4 in the winter, but it's definitely around extraordinary poor set of dynamics and the what ifs for Q4 particularly. So we're currently shadowing and uh, following very high Asian LNG prices. I think we saw what happened in December and January of 2020 and 2021 when there was a not just a cold spell in Europe, but also a cold spell in Asia that drove a shortage of uh, LNG cargoes in Asia to, to drive the um, Asian spot price to uh, you know well over £2.50 a therm equivalent. Um, and that had a knock-on effect that was relatively short-lived in Europe. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing a, a real desire to uh, for summer gas prices and beyond to track that price. 
and that's currently the JKM is currently at around £1.36 a firm and we think that's twofold we think that's not only because there's been a little bit of extra cooling demand in certain Asian markets and there's obviously been drought in southern China which has you know put a more reliance on, on fossil fuels both coal and LNG but also as we kind of move towards that winter there's been a stockpiling impetus to try and remove i suppose asian markets from from having that spike in december and january so what we're seeing i suppose ultimately is europe following a price which really isn't sending alternative uh, we're not seeing any additional lng in europe on the back of it and you could argue that at this moment in time apart from lagging on storage we don't actually need it well, that's an interesting observation, or at least I hope it's an interesting observation in terms of your assessment of the risk involved, because sometimes people see it in, in relatively simple terms, you know, country A's got such and such a storage level, country B's got a different one, therefore that tells you something about the risk, and it's, I don't think it's that simple. But what on the other side of the equation from supply, of course, is demand, and you mentioned that, you know, that some of the demand for gas has been lower, not least in power generation recently, because we've been through a sticky patch with not much wind, haven't we, in the UK? UK and indeed some other adjacent countries in Europe and that that tends to raise gas demand presumably for power generation and presumably you know higher wind speeds has enabled less gas to be burned in power stations. Yeah so the last few days we've had uh, very generous levels of uh, wind on the system in the UK and uh, that really has you know freed up quite a lot of injection gas and I'll say we've seen a return of exports as well through BBL. So in terms of the storage, I mean, the UK has actually been able to inject. We're now, the medium range storage is 60% full in the UK. And, you know, cycling that doesn't take particularly long. It's not the long-term storage that the Europeans are watching. But Italy's currently 78% full. That's as large as Germany in terms of storage capacity now. EU storage overall is 62%. We know from doing the numbers that actually it does need to inject at a much higher rate to be full by the beginning of the winter season. But if you really say the real winter doesn't start until November, as long as there's no real issue, I think my suggestion is that we will actually see gas full by the start of the proper winter or near enough full. You know, actually, we need to start seeing some of these worst case scenarios baked in. So we need a really cold early winter in Europe. We need a cold early winter in Asia. And we need the Russians to decide to stop selling gas and actually not deliver through Nord Stream 2 to continue supporting these prices. If any one of those things does happen and or multiple bits of those things happen, then, of course, the prices can be where they are now and indeed much higher. But it seems to me to be worse, a bad case that's not say worst case a bad case is base case at the moment in terms of pricing and of course volumes are low and there are no sellers about Indeed. Well, I hope your hunch, if I can call it that, is is broadly right from a consumer perspective, at least, because, you know, what's the alternative explanation? We've gone through some kind of paradigm shift and high, very high prices are here for the long term, which will be uncomfortable for consumers. Or, as you suggest, there's a very real possibility the market should correct at some point. Fingers crossed and let's see if, if that happens as we go into winter. But one shouldn't forget, it's not just high gas prices. We don't tend to talk about coal very much in the UK for the obvious reason that 
Uh, we've only got a couple of power stations still burning it, and they will be off the bars, uh, you know, in a couple of years' time. But high coal prices have kept the pressure on in the power markets elsewhere in Europe, haven't they? And that's part of the reason why we haven't haven't seen perhaps so much of a dampening effect from cheaper power flowing across the interconnectors into our market. I think is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're seeing last week we saw uh, API2 coal Rotterdam touching and breaking through $150 a tonne. We haven't seen those sorts of prices since the heady days of uh, the, the super inflation recycle before the world went bang in 2008. Indeed, and thinking of other topical factors that might affect the the market now or in the near future, I mean, as we're recording this, the news is coming through of of the various events in Afghanistan, which, of course, have the potential to be destabilizing for the region. But, of course, Afghanistan is not actually an oil or gas producer, even if some of its significant neighbors are. The market seems to be taking that in in its stride, I gather, at least so far. Is that right? Yeah, very much so, Jeremy. I mean, um, Afghanistan, clearly, if it plays out that it destabilises the region, then obviously that's supportive and disruptive to gas and oil supply longer term. In the short term, I think Afghanistan has been problematic for decades, whether it was Russia or the last 20 years with the Americans and their uh, allies. But I think, you know, in terms of, as you rightly point out, it's neither an oil or gas producer of note. So, you know, largely irrelevant, but clearly longer, medium longer term destabilisation of the region or further ties with Iran or anything that's seen as destabilising some of the fragilities already in that region probably ultimately long-term supportive but in terms of short-term impact uh, zero well i hope you're right about that problematic for other reasons hopefully not so for the energy markets and lastly briefly the uk government's just released its uh, consultation on hydrogen strategy and and the extent to which we might be relying on hydrogen as an alternative to natural gas in industry and possibly in some other sectors of the economy. I mean, this is, to some extent, uh, blue sky thinking or blue hydrogen thinking in the short term, isn't it? Nobody quite knows what the economics are going to be like, but as there are some attractions for using hydrogen, not just as a a cleaner fuel, if we can produce it economically, but as a form of energy storage, isn't there? If we have a, a power system in the future which has a huge amount of renewable capacity, some of which won't be needed, one might as well use that power to uh, produce a, a commodity like hydrogen in a low-carbon way that can be stored. Yeah, we need to explore all avenues if we're going to be serious about uh, net zero. As it stands at the moment, you know, regardless of how popular it may seem, this summer has underlined that uh, solar and wind are not an exclusive answer to burning fossil fuels. We need a viable large-scale energy store Clearly, batteries haven't gone that way, and many would argue batteries are just shifting pollution from one sort of area to another. So, hydrogen, regardless of, uh, I can almost hear and read some of the naysayers coming out already, but surely the role of government is actually to be, rather than to um, virtue signal and uh, become uh, almost uh, protest like in its uh, outlook it has to you know explore all of the solutions and the, the pragmatic answer is probably a mix of many many different technologies to to move us significantly towards this target so i don't think anybody should criticize any um, everything and anything should be looked at as a viable uh, alternative to uh, for the greater good you know we can all draw a line and say no it needs to be clean and you know, the transition can't happen, but, you know, we need to be a bit more practical because we have an economy and a country to run effectively. 
Well, I couldn't agree more th- about that, Jason. The more low-carbon technologies and means of getting us to low-carbon, the better. Uh, it's going to be a hard enough thing to hit our net-zero target, even with the the, uh, the potential range we have. If we start narrowing that, it's going to be more difficult still. Well, thank you for your summary. I'm not sure whether it's good news yet for consumers. Uh, it sounds to me like high and volatile prices are, are here for some, some while to come, and we'll see if there's a little bit of relief um, as we go into the winter period. So thank Thanks for that, Jason. I hope you found that interesting too. And do keep an eye out for our next podcast. We'd love you to join us. And in the meantime, do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And we hope you're able to join us again soon.